Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday Down South Podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will no monkey business this week. See what I did there? <laughs> there's always still, a, there's always a small amount of monkey business, especially in the state of Texas, Connor. Are we over monkey jokes, Bishop Sycamore jokes? Are, are, is that too dated to come up with a reference like that? You know, it truly seems like the simulation is stuck, and every week there's a new level of something. So I'm just excited. I got the popcorn, bro. Yeah, whatever's next, we'll, we'll be ready to, to poke fun at it. Cupcake week, or as I like to call it, cake week is here. That's right, cake week, not cupcake week. Why? Why do you ask? In case you aren't necessarily an OG listener of the podcast, so you didn't hear about our rebranding two years ago that we did, I want you, listener of this podcast, to look yourself in the mirror and say the words, I like cupcakes more than cake. Bet you can't do it. Can't do it. Cupcakes are fine. No, no, no disrespect to cupcakes. But rarely do you seek them out. And mm-hmm. honestly, when you do... They usually kind of leave me wanting a second one, and then I look fat in public as the guy who takes multiple cupcakes. You can't do that, right? Cake is better, and this week of subpar matchups would be a whole lot more appealing than cupcakes. Cake week. Nobody, nobody hates on cake week, but cupcake week is kind of like, oh, it's this soft little dainty dessert. No, 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 no. Cake week. People enjoy that. So just in case you aren't on board with the idea of it, Tell your friends it's cake week, not cupcake week. I just I just want to say really quick, at what point do we as a society start doing these boutique cupcakes that like half of the total mass of the cupcake is icing? I, I hate it. I'm, we need to stop. We need to get the icing out of there and just a little bit of icing like a cake. Or just decide that, that cakes are fine. You know, <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with a good old cake. Cupcakes... Nobody has ever looked good eating a cupcake. Mm-hmm. You get the frosting all over you. You can't, when you get those cupcakes, and I know because I, I eat them, and yeah, they're perfectly fine, but when you eat them, and I'm a beard guy, it's getting all up in my beard. It's getting in my nose. I don't need that. Just give me a piece of cake. I'm glad that we're, on, on, we're beating one drum. The cupcakes are a little bit overrated. They're fine, <laughs> but boy, are they just a hassle and not really worth it. They're not. Bad slate of games. It does, however, beat a good day of anything else. Yep. That's what I say. Nothing wrong with that. Loaded, loaded podcast for everybody. Got an interview with South Carolina quarterback Jason Brown coming up. We're going to talk playoff rankings and preview the only, well, we're, we're going to stick with just the SEC games, uh, the with the ones that are within conference play. And we're going to end with adult rec leagues in figuring it out. But before we do that, it's been a minute since I had a fresh Texas Pete ad. But never fear, Texas Pete is here, back like it never left. As I always say, I douse my eggs in Texas Pete. I'm at that point where now if I don't, I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? This mm-hmm. isn't the meal that I've grown to love. Now is the perfect time to do as I do. Douse your eggs in Texas Pete. Douse whatever you eat in Texas Pete. Maybe not cereal, but you never know until you try. Like I say, now is the perfect time to load up on Texas Pete. It's getting a little chilly. You want to spice things up. Look no further than Texas Pete. For our listeners, we're offering 20% off your order. When you go to TexasPete.com, use that promo code SATURDAYDOWNSOUTH. That is all caps, SATURDAYDOWNSOUTH. You can get t-shirts, recipes, hat sauces by the box. You name it. They've got it. It's that easy. Do yourself a favor. Go get yourself some Texas Pete. Load up right now. Saturday down south. That is the promo code 20% off your order on TexasPete.com. Playoff rankings. We wanted boring, and they gave us boring, Will. The top seven 
it remained unchanged. I was wrong about them moving Michigan to number five ahead of Cincinnati. Swing and a miss on that one. But mm-hmm. this, this is a calm before the storm. Teams two through four play ranked teams this week. And number five, Cincinnati, plays an eight and two SMU squad. Number seven, Michigan State, obviously plays Ohio State. I will credit the selection committee for actually giving us some sort of week-to-week consistency. I wasn't totally irate about that. Uh-oh, Will, you just gave me the, 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 the one finger up, like you're looking something up right now and you're gonna tell me something that's that I'm not gonna like hearing and I'm gonna get mad about rankings again, aren't I? I mean, not, not even that. I just can't believe that Cincinnati doesn't play another ranked team. It's as if you just destroy UCF. Well, it's like... Houston, Houston, if they get to the AAC championship, Houston finally gets into the top 25, despite the fact that they've been in the AP top 25, the coaches poll, and they were, they were like 17 in those in yeah. the, the selection committee. <laughs> they're not even close no, no, no. to being on rank. Like, it's like, anyway. Yeah, they're, they were running out of one loss group of five teams that they could ignore. They're like, all right, no, whatever, Houston, you're, you're going to be in there. Although, at the same time, if Cincinnati then beats Houston, Houston's going to fall out of the top 25. Houston's so really 24, know. goodness. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, for everyone crying about SEC bias, I'll throw this out there. You know who you are. The highest ranked two-loss team, Baylor, because Oklahoma win and the BYU win. Both of those were by double digits. Again, shout out Dave Aranda. We respect him on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Highest ranked three-loss team from the SEC, right? No, no, no. It's from from the Big Ten. It's Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Because... The Badgers have won six straight after that one and three start, even though they got shellacked by Michigan and they got the crap kicked out of them by Notre Dame, or at least that's what the final score told us because that one got really lopsided in the fourth quarter. But anyways, no SEC bias from the selection committee. So that narrative may be a little bit, uh, a little bit on the back burner for some, for some people you know who you are. This sort of confirmed though, that I think the SEC and the Big Ten are the only conferences that have playoff bids locked in at this point. I mean, really, the Pac-12, Oregon loss away from being out. Big 12, Oklahoma State loss away from being out. And the ACC, eh, already out. But nice little <laughs> love for Wake Forest. You throw Wake Forest a bone, you know? You get him in the top 10. That was, that was nice. I'll say this. Actually, before I move on to Ohio State, Will, did you have any 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 thoughts on 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 that and kind of seeing the the selection committee actually stick to what it said last week? It's it's funny. I like your point about conferences because you look at Oregon and they're sitting there at three, and it's like even though they were like very high on them, you just know if they like blow a game, they're gonna get kicked to like fifteen. Oh, <laughs> like they're gonna fall off the wagon. It's gonna be like all right and bye, like deleted. It was kind of like that for Oklahoma, a little bit going from eight to thirteen, mm-hmm. losing on the road to a, a you know, really good Baylor team. But at the same time, we knew the selection committee wasn't valuing those wins, nor should they have, because their best win was against a, a Kansas State team that, quite frankly, isn't really going anywhere this year. I get that Ohio State's path is pretty obvious here. The selection committee is telling us if Ohio State wins out, they're in, but they continue to be overrated. They really do, like. <laughs> The selection committee refuses to acknowledge the fact that Ohio State's best win against is against a team outside of the current top 25 who has four losses. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. It's crazy. Oh, is it Purdue? Am I talking about Penn State? Am I talking about Minnesota? <laughs> Good. That's it. Go fish, man. I had somebody tweet at me because I pointed out how um, Mississippi State 
has all of these, and I have something else that I'll get to later on Mississippi State, but I I pointed out how Mississippi State has like four wins against Power 5 teams with winning records. And I had somebody respond to me saying, Ohio State also has four, and they counted Oregon. I'm like, oh, so you're like the selection committee. You just don't watch football. (laughs) You forgot that game happened and Oregon won. Good for you. What's the, the Stephen A. Uh, Smith cook? Whoa, whoa, just cost you. You don't know basketball. Like, that's not what college football is. Like, you don't know what's going on out there, buddy. Respect to this person. They haven't even deleted the tweet yet. It's been almost 24 hours. Love love riding with it. Just wear the L. Just no, no problem with it whatsoever. Had several people respond to it. Just did not make a difference. But anyways, Ohio State, um, yeah, it's, it's still overrated. Everyone in the top 12 has at least one win against the current playoff top 25, except for Ohio State. That's what we're talking about here. Yet, they get the benefit of the doubt. If they clobber Michigan State and Michigan, cool. Then, then you know, I'm buying into the belief that they're a top four team. But it just blows me away that they continue to get this pass. It's unbelievable to see how much, I mean, they're, they're more overrated at this point than Alabama is. At least Alabama has that Ole Miss win mm-hmm. where that game was over from yeah. the jump. They I mean, wrecked they Ole Miss. They're a good Ole Miss team. And Ole Miss is sitting there in the top 15, and they could be going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Ohio State doesn't have anything like that. And this weekend, we'll wait and see kind of how they handle Michigan State. They're a three-touchdown favorite in that one. You would think they'd be all right. But if they win that game by like seven points again, you're kind of like, hey, <laughs> Still haven't really shown us that much yet. So we'll wait and see how Ohio State's schedule plays out. Also, one last thing. Good for Gary Barta for coming out and saying the words, set aside watching the games, though that's certainly part of it. But statistically, in just about every category, offensively and defensively, every category, those those two, I guess, um, Michigan comes out on top over Michigan State. He said the words... Set aside watching the games. I mean, he's just trolling us at this point, right? Yeah, I just I have like a like a bold take. I don't know if you agree with it or don't, but like I feel like advanced stats in college football is super overrated. I feel like with the amount of games that are played, and like I'm a big advanced stats guy when it comes to baseball and NBA basketball, all those different things. When you face you know similar competition, lots of games and stuff like that, but you can really tell yourself any type of story that you want. Like you could rank teams however your gut feels and then explain that like as a backronym and be like oh see this is why i did that and that's a pretty good example of that that's a pretty like that's what i think the committee is doing i think it's like here are the teams that we think are good now let me kind of go back into the weeds and try to figure out like why we can logically explain that it's like dog just be honest (laughs) just tell me what you think don't don't come out there and tell me oh your fpi is straight the schedule is just like come on bro (laughs) you just want ohio state in let's not you know that's why I don't ever dip into the strength of schedule numbers because I don't know what's going into the back end of that. Right. And quite frankly, I can't point to any specific thing with that and say, well, here's exactly why this is the case. I like looking at quality teams that you beat. Mm-hmm. So top 25 wins, wins against power five teams with winning records, mm-hmm. and then kind of going from there, margin of victory against power five teams. Those are the things that I think should be valued. And if the selection committee is coming up with, oh, well, you know, Michigan's scoring offense and scoring defense is a little bit better. It's like, look, I got into this debate with my with my brother, actually. We did we do our weekly um, Big Ten debate column that runs every Friday, SaturdayTradition.com. Go check it out. I know everybody listening to this podcast wants their Big Ten debates, and they want them now. <laughs> From SEC things- Connor. Connor has gone full SEC Hover, and he's just fighting with his brother about how bad Ohio State is. Well, one of the things that we, t- we talked about was 
the, the Michigan, Michigan State ranking. And he's actually on the side of the, of the selection committee of, well, you, look, you have to point to Michigan State and the way that it has struggled against these opponents here or there. And look, I totally get it. I, I get that perspective, but it'd be different if we were talking about Michigan having clubbed every single team by four touchdowns. And if they were this juggernaut who's got several wins against current top 25 teams, and when you actually like sit there and break down the resume, you break down the power five margin of victory, all those things, it's really not much different at all. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm going to defer to head-to-head every single time. They played a football game. Sure, Michigan State had to come back and win it. Sure, it was in East Lansing. They played a football game. That's what this should be about. But it's not. I digress. Yeah, and and I uh, I love, too, like, they use this logic on certain teams and not on other teams. It's like, let's not take Jim Harbaugh's record in big games into account. Let's not take his record in, in these games. Every, I'm like, I, me and you actually are pretty high on Harbaugh. Like, that's one thing that we've pretty, like, every year tried to give him more credit than yeah, a lot of people. Speaking. Yeah, like, but especially, like, going back historically, like, we, we've tried to give him a fair shake where a lot of people haven't. But I think we're both kind of on this point right now. It's like, you don't want him in a big game. Like, so point being, like, you can look at an Alabama team and go, okay, well, we just know that Alabama's going to put it all together and, and be in, or Ohio State. State, better example, they're just going to put it all together and be better in the playoffs. But it's like, okay, well, can you not do the opposite of that to Michigan and Notre Dame? I don't know. That doesn't really, in my opinion, that shouldn't at least matter with rankings because we're not trying to predict outcomes moving forward. All we can do is just look at at what's happened and say, this is what we have to evaluate. And anybody that wants to bring up, well, who would win in a neutral site? What would the spread be? I just, every single time that comes up, I always just find myself saying the same exact thing. I'm like, oh, so, you, so you're a millionaire because you bet on these games every single week and you win because you know the exact outcome. Good for you. Congratulations. I'd love to come come take a ride on your boat. That, that sounds fun. Um, and that's just not the case. Oh, yeah. Don't no, always. Know. I'm just saying based on what they did. I'm saying that they're giving yeah. Alabama and Ohio State benefit of the doubt, but they're not doing the opposite of that to other teams that have done poorly in big games. Yes. Number two is it, it's a mess. Two through seven. We're hopefully going to get a lot more clarity in the next two weeks. And this is probably going to look very, very different at this time next week when we are breaking down these rankings. Thankfully, only two more Tuesday shows before we get to the big one. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready to be done with the Tuesday shows. When they spend the first 12 minutes talking about teams that aren't in the Final Four, or don't, rather, no, 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 it's not that. It's spending the first 12 minutes talking about teams who don't have a path to the playoff. It drives me nuts because, look, I, I get it. Those teams matter, and we're talking about top 25 wins, quality wins. That's all well and good. I don't need to hear why the number 19 team in the country has figured some things out and they have their quarterback play <laughs> is different now than it was in October. I don't care. Get to the stuff that actually matters. When it's a boring ranking like that, and they know it's going to be boring, it took 19 minutes to get to the final four. That's, that's what we're talking about. 19 minutes before they finally figured this out and said, oh, yeah, we're, we got the rest of this. And I don't want to blame my guy, Reese Davis, for that because I know that's a production decision. Oh, yeah. But I don't need to hear Joey Galloway telling me about Utah's quarterback. I just don't. I don't care. It's like, buddy, this is not a podcast. <laughs> we have things to do. We're not just going to sit here and listen to two hours of like yeah, the UCLA schedule. Come on now. Golly. Anyways, let's move on to actual football games that the selection committee may or may not be watching. We'll wait and see on that. Week 12. It is cake week. We're just focusing on SEC versus SEC matchups. I am so bummed that Jake Bentley got hurt. Torn MCL. He was having a really nice year for USA. That's right, USA, South Alabama. Kane Womack, shout out to Indiana. It quietly could have been a really tricky matchup 
for Tennessee had Jake Bentley been out there. People forget he's 3-0 against the Vols in his career, but he is not going to be there. We would have probably had some sort of Jake Bentley storyline to talk about if you were out there, but he is not going to be. We're, we're Anyways, it doesn't really matter. We're going to be watching Jake Bentley play college ball eight years from now, so we got more time to figure this out. And he will still be missing some type of problem, bless his heart. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we're not bringing up the Jake, Bron- Jake Bentley prom story, we, we're in a vastly different era of college football. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm going to be alive for that era of college football. It's going to be no Jake, Jake Bentley missed his wedding for this game. Jake Bentley missed the, <laughs> the birth of his grandson for this game. Let's start with Arkansas and Alabama. Alabama's a 20.5-point favorite. The over-under I have, 0.5 references to the time Sam Pittman turned down Nick Saban after his mom told him to. Go back to that interview that we did with Sam Pittman earlier in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Listen to that story. Fun, fun times to be able to get him on. Hopefully, we're going to have him on again some point in the offseason. But anyways, revenge game for Saban because Sam Pittman turned him down, of course. <laughs> I'm sure nobody's going to be thinking of that. Not really, but think about this. Alabama has been in one-score games in the fourth quarter in four of its six SEC games this year. Tennessee, hmm. A&M, LSU, Florida. Go figure that the two that weren't close were the Mississippi, the, um, Mississippi schools. What's Alabama's path to preventing that from happening again? It's pretty simple in my opinion. Key matchup of the game, Jameson Williams, Miles Slusher. Can the Arkansas safety pre- prevent Williams from going over the top? I thought Slusher played much better against LSU. We talked about that interception that he made, diving interception. Mm-hmm. But we saw him have some tough moments against Auburn, and you just kind of never know. Even Arkansas Pine Bluff tried picking on him. When Jameson Williams gets going for Alabama, that's the difference. He's got at least one catch of 50 yards in each of his last four games. Hmm. Pretty good. That's really good. During that stretch, that four-game stretch, 24 catches for 518 yards and five touchdowns. He's averaging nearly 22 yards a catch in that four-game stretch. If Jameson Williams gets going and Bill O'Brien dares Arkansas over the top, this could very well turn into a Mississippi State type of feel to it. I was thinking about this, though, with Bill O'Brien. You know what's kind of crazy When the Virginia Tech firing of Justin Fuente was announced earlier in the week, I threw out my initial list of candidates roughly like, you know, 10 minutes after it was announced. It's just kind of what we do. We turn the page, we move forward. So besides, you know, Shane Beamer, he's the one who South Carolina fans are going to have to keep getting into fights online and say, no, he's not going to leave South Carolina after one year. Go back to the school that his dad was, you know, a legend at. So besides Shane Beamer, candidates I listed, Rhett Lashley, Mm-hmm. Jamie Chadwell, friend of the show. Joe Moorhead, friend of the show. Mike Elko, Marcus Freeman, and Bill O'Brien. All of these Bama fans, when I tweeted that out, they were responding to it saying, yes, I think Bill O'Brien would be an excellent candidate. <laughs> I had one Bama fan who responded by saying that he'd get his dad to personally fly his plane to Blacksburg to make sure that Bill O'Brien got to that interview. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> Look, maybe there's some recency bias here because the offense struggled against LSU. You know, we're not really going to get excited about what you do against New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Bama's sitting there with the number three offense in the country. Bryce Young is your Heisman Trophy favorite as we as we enter the second to last week of the regular season. And yet, I bet if you polled the average Bama fan, 
they'd say that Bill O'Brien has been a disappointment. It's crazy. Number three offense in college football. But, you know, I get some of the frustrations. I think the offensive line play has certainly held them back, and maybe some injuries have had something to do with that, and it just hasn't got going in the way that Bama fans would like to in some of these key moments. But still, as a whole, pretty good unit. Wouldn't necessarily say that that's the, the, the total flaw with Alabama at this point. Two big picture things that this game was important for on the Bama side. I don't believe that a two-loss Bama gets into the playoff without a conference championship. But having said that, if that were to be the case, and if Bama was trying to make that argument, maybe they lose to Georgia by three points. And remember, Bama clinches a ticket to Atlanta with a win against either Arkansas or Auburn. Just need a win in one of these next two to get to the SEC championship. Very different for the playoff discussion. Mm-hmm. But Let's say that were to be the case, and Bama is sitting there on Selection Sunday with that close loss to Georgia, and that's loss number two. I'd say Bama's argument to get in with two losses gets a whole lot better if it can earn four blowout wins against Power 5 teams with a winning record. And as of right now, they have the two against the Mississippi schools. Auburn would be the last one, of course, and then this weekend against Arkansas. And you know that I think that's especially true when you consider how much it feels like the non-UGA contenders have played down to their competition. And I think the selection committee actually values wins against power five teams with winning records. That's the one thing where, you know, Ohio State has three of those. That's the best thing on their resume. So while I say that Bama still gets left out of the field if it loses against Georgia, beating a top 25 Arkansas team convincingly at least helps the cause. Do you agree or disagree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, what's funny is that like, Whenever you said that stat about their fourth quarter games, and you said, you know, the Mississippi schools are the ones that they've blown out, I would say those are the two good teams. I, I feel like they've blown out the good teams. So it almost, that stat makes me feel way better about Alabama, weirdly. The teams that they've gone into the week knowing this is a ranked team, this is a team that really wants to like get after you. Like, I mean, Bill O'Brien obviously struggled, struggled against LSU. And, and like you said, like that, that situation is a little bit interesting. If he wins the Heisman, that's going to be the funniest thing in the world to me, personally. Because like, I think he's a good quarterback, and I think their skill position players are good. He, he doesn't feel, to me, like Tua or even like Mac Jones or early Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts obviously struggled in a minute. But it would be hilarious if Bryce Young, with Bill O'Brien, was Alabama's first Heisman winning quarterback. I think that would just be an incredible storyline because it would just go on and show that Bama could do whatever they want. Because, you know, like I said, I mean, Bill, like... I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, you're saying that Bama fans are, you know, dumping on Bill O'Brien. I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just kind of echoing, reading the room. It's not like I'm hating on him, but it feels like if Sark had this same offense, they would be a little bit better and a little bit more dynamic. And against LSU, that was an offense that was really just scared to take a shot, which obviously Sark has never been that. And so it, it would just be very funny if Alabama just slept, walked through all these ranked teams, blew out. I mean, because... The way Arkansas is playing, Alabama should probably blow them out, just to be honest. But it would be very funny if they just blow out the three teams that were, like, ranked. Bryce Young wins the Heisman, and we're sitting there at the end of the year like, what? What? what is this team? What are we? Right. Are our, our expectations so high that this is disappointment? Because I'm looking at this, I'm like, dang, that looks kind of looking good right yeah. now. That's, that's, that's definitely part of it. And it'd be interesting to see the Bill O'Brien Twitter mentions if Bryce <laughs> Young were to win the Heisman, right? Like, that just that's one of those things that... I think maybe we as college football fans look at, at Alabama and if an Alabama quarterback is, is leading the way in the Heisman running, 
it's it's got to be a boring year. When Mac was leading in in the Heisman odds last year, it's oh, it's a boring year. We got to find a way to mix it up. And I I look, I I thought Devontae Smith absolutely deserved to win the Heisman. I applauded voters for being open-minded and creative. But this year, maybe it's because Bryce Young hasn't had that Heisman moment yet. That that one sort of game comeback victory, big time touchdown, you know win a shootout, even like something like what Cor- Matt Corral did against Arkansas. I'm not saying that's a Heisman moment, mm-hmm. but where you see the big time play at the end of a game, a, a very important game for the rest of your schedule. Maybe we'll get that from Bryce Young in these next two games or against Georgia. Who knows? But the Heisman feels like it's still very much up in the air. R- really, really quick on that, just to check in on that. So Bryce Young right now, 33, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. <laughs> It's a, it's, it's so a really good, good year. It's so good. It, it's funny because you look back at Tua and Mac, and like Tua obviously just had that one nasty year. Um, but the one like Mac Jones year um, is forty-one and four. So like he's kind of on pace to do a little bit better than that. Uh, the the big thing though is the air yards. It's exactly what I said. It's the fact that Mac especially was just airing that thing out, and, and Tua was as well. And and that seems to be the difference. We're talking about two or three air yards per, which is not huge, but it's the difference between this is a dynamic, terrifying offense, and this is a really good offense. So I, it's just maybe we should credit Bryce Young a little bit more. Good good for him, man. Do you have the uh, Do you have Bryce Young's stats pulled up? Yeah. So I was wondering about the the rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, rushing touchdowns, yeah. So he only has two rushing touchdowns. So he's he would have to average five touchdowns a game. We talked about the fifty touchdown mark and mm-hmm. how that's significant with Heisman voting. He would have to average five touchdowns per game in these last three games leading into the Heisman voting to really kind of cement that and to make it seem like all right, this this award is his. Mm-hmm. We look at we tend to look at that in a little bit of a different way, but I still think it's very much wide open. We'll talk a lot more about the Heisman moving forward and and kind of whether or not Bryce Young is is worthy of of being uh, the winner this year. Let's let's talk some Arkansas stuff here because if you're looking at this from 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 their standpoint, look, you got blown out in this game last year. You had a depleted roster. You got blown out against Georgia this year with a, a pretty full roster, I would say. This game is huge for the how far do we still have to go discussion for Arkansas. Mm-hmm. If KJ Jefferson balls out in this one and it's a down to the wire game, Arkansas fans will be. I think they'll be good for the entire offseason, as long as next week against Mizzou isn't a total collapse. But this can make us forget how lopsided Georgia felt. Mm-hmm. Huge for that eight-month offseason. Huge to be able to go into the home stretch of recruiting for Sam Pittman. Huge to be able to recruit within the transfer portal as well. Big KJ Jefferson has arrived potential for this game. Mm-hmm. Nothing says you've arrived like doing it against Bama, even if it isn't Bama's like vintage defense. A side note, I was thinking about this. This year has actually been an excellent example of why this sport is about so much more than the playoff because of what the SEC's second tier teams have been able to experience. Oh, yes. Think about this. Arkansas ended the streaks against A&M and LSU, and the Texas win was awesome. You get to rush the field at night at home, something that Arkansas fans won't forget anytime soon. A&M, of course, finally beats Bama. Auburn ends the LSU streak in Death Valley. Mm -hmm. Ole Miss hosts college game day again and is having this fun season that could very likely end up with a New Year's Six Bowl. Kentucky beats Florida at home for the first time since 1986 and then follows that up by just dominating LSU at home. Didn't wake up and choose violence, Will. I'm sorry. <laughs> All these teams just beat LSU. That's, the, that's why they're all having a great except, year. <laughs> except Mississippi State, who didn't beat LSU. <laughs> but 
Mississippi State is out here racking up all these quality wins and making that year two jump with Mike Leach. And they're having this kind of like fun season. So uh, on that note, uh, Cannell was crying about Mississippi State being ranked ahead of three loss Clemson. And I try not to be reply guy, but I just couldn't help it. I tweeted at him that Mississippi State has four wins against power five teams with winning records, which not a single team in the college football playoff top 10 has more than that. Georgia has also four wins against power five teams with winning records. How many power five teams with winning records has Clemson had? Um, one. And it was a six point home win against six and four Boston College. Thank you, man. On top of that, it's even worse. Clemson, Mississippi State, one common opponent, NC State. Yeah! Tim Beck! Clemson lost to him. Yep. Anyway, rant over. That's why Mississippi State's ranked ahead of Clemson, Danny. What are we talking about again? Wait, did you see Dabo abstain from voting? Oh, in the coaches poll? <laughs> after he was outed for his Ohio State misstep? Yep. God, yeah. I love him. He's just... I'm so glad he exists. <laughs> That's like a cartoon character. Anyway... Different levels of petty. I'm actually surprised that Clemson's not ranked at this point. Like, I know I just laid out all those things, but I'm actually kind of surprised that, that a 7-3 Clemson team isn't getting the benefit of the doubt from the selection committee, but they're not because of all the reasons that I just brought up. Right. Arkansas, Alabama. That's what we're talking about here. That's right. And how second-tier SEC teams are having these, like, non-hollow seasons. I think in this game, Arkansas hangs around, makes it a good football game, but too much Jameson Williams... Bama wins 38 to 24. So I'm picking Arkansas to cover, Bama to win outright. Auburn, South Carolina. Auburn's a seven and a half point favorite. Over under, I have one replay of TJ Finley torching South Carolina last year. See, that's a good thing for LSU, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, so. the guy that transferred out, he was real yeah. good last year for a game. Hey, take whatever victories you can get at this point. Mm -hmm. We know that uh, Bonix is going to be out for the rest of the regular season. At the time that we recorded on Sunday, we did not know the severity of that ankle injury. Broken ankle, 34 consecutive starts to kick off his college career. And look, I've said before, I kind of wish that we would have seen Malik Willis in that offense and what would have been like if Bonix had been able to just sit for a year. But think about this. The next closest in terms of active SEC starting quarterback streaks. It's Matt Corral with 20. Hmm. That's nuts. All the turnover at the position. It's still impressive that Bo Nix had the durability to stay healthy as long as he did to start off his career. It's one thing if you come in middle of your freshman season or something like that, but to do that from the jump, I'll tip my cap to that. We've said a lot of negative things about Bo Nix on this podcast. Durability, toughness, that should not be a question for him. Leg day. It does. Right? What a year it's been. Big, big opportunity for TJ Finley. You know who else this game is huge for? A certain Mike Bobo. South Carolina fans, they would love nothing more than to see his offense get bottled up in this matchup after he had the year that he had last year, but then also signed on to be, be a Shane Beamer's offensive coordinator and then basically told him, just kidding, I'm going to Auburn. Not the best way to step into a new job, but you know, stuff happens. South Carolina fans would love it if Jalen Foster could do his best J.C. Horn imitation and just totally take over against Auburn. Mm -hmm. Jalen Foster is a guy that I probably should have discussed more. Will, you know how we were saying the other day that nobody is out of eligibility? Remember yep. talking about that? Love it. <laughs> Jalen Foster is a year six guy. 
Let's on his go. last year of eligibility. So he's one of the very few that I'm pretty sure, unless I miss some sort of loophole, he can't come back after this year. He started off his, his college career, he had one FBS offer coming out of high school. He decided, all right, I'm just gonna go to Gardner-Webb. He transfers to South Carolina to walk on. He spends three years grinding it out before finally getting put on scholarship before the 2020 season. He decides at the end of last year, hey, why don't I take advantage of this extra year of eligibility that I have and hang around with this new coaching staff, just see what I can do. And now the dude is tied for the national lead in interceptions. Impressive. How about that's that? That's the exact, that's the type of thing, um, dudes posting W's, the mm-hmm, Twitter account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it, right there. Love it. So heads up to TJ Finley. I'm tripling down on Auburn. <laughs> no! <laughs> I can't help it. Three consecutive weeks of saying that Auburn is going to win and cover. That's been me, this guy, this idiot. And all, all that was because I was just tired of being wrong about Auburn. Yep, because <laughs> that's the thing about Auburn. When you, find, you think you figured them out, they zag. This team has me in a mental pretzel that I cannot get out of. I do think it's a big bounce back week for the Auburn defense after hearing about how bad they were for the entire week from the fan base and from people nationally. How can you blow a 28-3 lead? I think Auburn's ground game really gets going in this one. A week after having to tackle Tyler Beatty to now having to tackle Tank Bixby seems unfun at best and just plain mean at worst. So I'm gonna say Auburn wins the revenge game 27 to 17 and covers. Will, how do you see this playing out? Um, speaking of great Twitter accounts, we've shouted out numerous great Twitter accounts on here. Shout out, you know, SEC StatCat is one of my favorites. Mm. One of my new favorites is the uh, Sickos Committee. Have you seen this? Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. It's like this dude, it's the, the Sickos meme where the guy's standing outside the window and he's like, haha, yes, and he has a t-shirt on that says Sickos. And it's just like, there's like a Sickos Game of the Week and like last week it was UMFSU. This is like in the running for Sickos Game of the Week because it's a backup quarterback at Auburn and whatever they got going on at <laughs> South Carolina on a week-to-week basis, this game is going to be chaos. I'm, I'm very, I will stay far away from picking this game. It's going to be fun. Jason Brown, interview coming up. Sounds ready. Sounds ready to go. Very relaxed. So, mm-hmm. But that did not sway me uh, in, in picking this game. But that's actually good news for South Carolina fans because... Lord knows I cannot figure out Auburn for the life of me. Just going to stop trying at this point. We started off the year and I was like, they're going to beat LSU. And I was right about that. I've just been wrong every single week since then. I was like, aha, we, I've got the finger on the pulse. Nope. I, I seriously don't think I've gotten a single Auburn pick right since saying that they wouldn't cover against Penn State. And mm-hmm. I actually thought they'd lose by more against Penn State. So, your boy just does not get it clearly. <laughs> That's the name of the game, right. though. There's nothing wrong with you. Let's go to Vandy and Ole Miss. This is a borderline SEC game. Ole Miss is a 36 and a half point favorite. The over-under I have, 15 Matt Corral pass attempts. This is unpopular. Gonna get some blowback from this. Hear me out. If I were Lane, I would just sit Matt Corral on this one. Don't play him. I'd at least make him the emergency quarterback. Just dress him, get him through warm-ups, all that stuff. Just Leave him on the sideline. Whether it's Altmeyer, whether it's John Rice Plumley, which, you know, I'm never opposed to seeing a full dose of John Rice Plumley playing at the quarterback position. We know that. But I'm speaking selfishly here. I can fully admit that. I want Matt Corral as close to 100% as possible for that egg bowl. So much. I need him to be right because I want him and Will Rogers giving us that 100 point total game. Oh, yeah. That's what we need. 
We need pure madness in the Egg Bowl. We need to step up from last year. Last year's game was really good. It was really good. This, this has to be that on steroids for me. And I don't want Matt Corral rolling that ankle against Vandy. I just don't. 2019 was the dog pee game, right? Yes, that was the second dog pee game, the Elijah Moore uh, dog pee game that set everything in motion. DK Metcalf did it before he did, so I guess. But Elijah Moore so, is the one that's, that's well Right, yeah, so there have been two dog pee games, and then there was that really rough game where Nick Fitzgerald like got injured. Like, this has been a weird rivalry. This is like an underrated, every game is chaos rivalry. Joe Moorhead uh, cursing out the deputy AD for, for Ole Miss as well after that. <laughs> this rivalry never disappoints. And it won't disappoint if we get a healthy Matt Corral. So Lane, you know, just, just sit him. Because Matt Corral doesn't have a switch. You can't really tell him to protect his body in the same way that you can with certain quarterbacks. I, I worry about him taking shots in this game. He doesn't like to slide. He looks awkward doing it. And look, his team's favored to win by 36 and a half points. Mm-hmm. He's not wired to sit in this one. So I'm not like, this isn't a prediction. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. But if this were a video game, I would just line up John Rice Plumley, just run Wildcat with him, Snoop, Ely, Parrish. Just let that take over because if you can't win that battle at the line of scrimmage against Vandy, what are you doing here? You should be able to. That should not be an issue. But if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about a hangover. And I'm not saying for the the outcome of this game, but you're coming off a big emotional win with college game day in the house. The defense balled out. Place looked electric. And everyone knows that you got that quick turnaround after this one with the Egg Bowl against the Mississippi State team that is feeling itself and should be. Ole Miss should win this game, but I'm actually going to take Vandy to cover because I think there will be a little bit of an emphasis on being conservative. And I don't think this team knows how to be conservative. I don't, I don't think that's in their DNA. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be really this like back and forth, this dynamic of like, well, we don't want to empty the bag on Vandy. Yeah. Right? But maybe they have a couple of early struggles to be able to sustain scoring drives. You're kind of looking at them scoreboard, you're like, 7 nothing in the second quarter? Like, what's, what's Ole Miss doing? So I don't think the defense quite plays with the same energy that it did last week. Still taking Ole Miss to win, but... 38 to 14 is what I'm going with. Will, how do you see this playing out? Lane is the guy that, like, he would be the one, the pioneer. Like, you know when, when a, a baseball game gets out of hand and one team's up, like, 15 runs and they have, like, an outfielder pitching? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lane would be the guy who would, like, pioneer, like, okay, let's play our running back at quarterback and our wide receiver at tailback. <laughs> and let's just get out there and let's all just have fun. Hopefully that's what this is because I'm just so, I'm so pro Lane Kiffin, just for things like that. You just never know. Like you said, they don't know how to be conservative. I feel like their version of conservative is missing fourth downs. <laughs> like when you when you look at their, when you look at like when they don't score points, it's like, oh yeah, we're like over forward fourth down. <laughs> we, we have 12 points. We don't know. <laughs> so, so yeah, like point being, I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, like you said, I would you say that the Matt Carroll Heisman campaign is kind of gonzo? Is that that's yes, and that's part of this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's completely dead, but not having that conference championship game, he he was going to need the, the the fifty touchdowns, yeah, to be able to win that Heisman. Uh, that's that's what Lamar had back in twenty sixteen. If you're not going to have a conference championship to play for, you need to already have the hay in the barn because it is a narrative-driven award. And especially in a year like this, where I don't even want to rule out the possibility of Will Anderson winning the Heisman. And I have no problem with that discussion whatsoever because that man is a one-man wrecking crew. But 
I think that ship has probably sailed because if you look at his numbers post Tennessee, yeah, it's not going to be quite on par to win. If they were in the playoff discussion, different story, but they're not going to the playoff with two losses and without a conference championship. So unfortunately, I think that that did kind of die a death maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, that's one thing that's kind of interesting about this old Miss team is that, uh, like, so he only has 17 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns. Uh, but one thing that we looked at last week with uh, Tyler Beatty is that Snoop Connor has a ton of almost like vulturish rushing touchdowns. Like, he has, uh, he's definitely like top three in the SEC in touchdowns, and he's not even close to the top in rushing yards. So it's, it's kind of funny that Lane's offense is known to be this, you know, high flying passing offense when. When it's time to like for the money, you know, downs and stuff, like they really go to that ground game and Snoop has been electric. So yeah, I do think that ship has kind of sailed. Um and I think for that reason, exactly what you said, they just need to get on out of dodge in this one. Yeah. Your goal of this game is is get out healthy. You don't want Sam Williams, Chance Campbell, one of those guys going down with an injury, Jake Springer or something like that. I think Jake Springer's gotta be out for the first half of this one anyways, because of that targeting penalty. But get out healthy, get to the egg bowl. Get to the Egg Bowl healthy. We need that. We as a collective college football world need Ole Miss as healthy as possible. Let's, is this one, this was in uh, in Mississippi or in Tennessee? This uh, this game is going to be at Ole Miss. Hence Sad. I was going to say, if that, was it, if that was at Vandy, I would be praying for some lane going out picks. That would be great. But anyway. Nah, I don't think Lane's, <laughs> Lane's putting himself out there like that anymore. Uh, Joey, Joey Freshwater is, uh, I think that, that identity has faded a little bit. He's, he's a little bit smarter about he, that these days. He's hung up the sunglasses from Tennessee. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Florida, Mizzou. Florida's an eight and a half point favorite. The over under I have 406.5 total rushing yards. That's, that's random, right? Like, <laughs> never. Six and a half? Come on, we're, we're like you know, 12 weeks into this game. It's never random. It's never random. Combined, that is what these two teams are averaging. This should be a field day for both of these ground games. That really hasn't been the issue for Florida. In fact, I tweeted this out, and Florida fans, they had some fun with it. Damian Pierce is Pro Football Focus's highest-graded running back in America. Will, how many games has Damian Pierce had double-digit carries in a game this season? Two. Nope. Oh, zero. Wow, that is, uh, people can't see you, Connor. I know. You can't just hold up a zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is rough. I was trying to give them some credit, especially in like blowouts. But yeah, he's been like nasty this year when he's touched the ball. He's got that burst and it blew me away watching, watching what he did against Georgia where you see him actually break, I think it was the longest run that an SEC player had against Georgia all year. Mm-hmm. Like, how, you look at the box score, you're like, why does this guy only have three carries right now? This doesn't make any sense. I know they've got a lot of mouths to feed, but again, that's that's telling. And Florida fans saw that and are like, "This is this is the stuff that you just can't tolerate with Dan Mullen at this point." Probably not the best sign as well when Florida's defensive line coach is retweeting me on that. <laughs> that's funny. You sent me that. I was like, "Oh, that's uh, that's tough." Uh, let me be the first to say there might be some trouble in paradise. <laughs> yeah, especially in a year where, like, we've talked about guys like, you know, Hunter and A-Chain and stuff that are, like, these spellbacks that are just nasty when they touch the ball. It's like the blueprints yeah. out there. You, you see it on film. Dan, Dan Mullen has been having these, um, like, screw it, I'll do what everybody wants types of moments in some of these games. Too late, but he's been having these moments whether that's correcting his lack of faith in the two-minute drill and watching it blow up in his face, finally starting Anthony Richardson and watching it blow up in his face, 
or firing Todd Grantham and watching it blow up in his face. Mullen seems content to do the things that Florida fans are begging him to do. So with that in mind, 30, Damian Pierce carry. <laughs> exactly, yes. You hit the nail on the head. Damian Pierce is getting double-digit carries in the first half of this one. Don't be surprised when that happens. It will. Trust me when I say that. Watch him have like 20 carries for 50 yards, too. He just doesn't scheme anything for him. It's just like these terrible counters. He's running into he's running into you know just a wall every single time. Mullen's like, hey, you said you wanted this guy to get more carries, so I'm going to give him 20 carries. He's not going to do anything with him. He's got, he's got new info now. It's like his D-line coach is sitting there in the locker room like, hey, C.J. O'Gara from SDS said that this is PFF's highest rated running back here. He's like, wow, thanks, man. I'm really open to new ideas. Thanks for that. Yeah, uh, Florida also maybe let's just get a pro football focus account. I know that we, we, we kind of go back and forth with that a little bit, and sometimes I think some of the stuff is like, all right, that's, that's a little bit ridiculous. Like Will Rogers wasn't one of the four highest graded quarterbacks last week. <laughs> he completed 44 passes. Like, what, what do you want? Okay, my grading system, he was one of the top four quarterbacks in all college football. But we'll move on from that. I think Dan Mullen better give Damian Pierce the ball a lot. Against Mizzou run defense, that's now under 250 yards a game. But still second worst in the country. Shout out to Arkansas State. Oh, they're back. Lyle is back, bro. Yes, yes. They're, they're good. Butch Jones. <laughs> if Butch Jones isn't holding the... The, the FBS worst for run defense, there's, he, he needs somewhere to, somewhere to improve year to year. Mm-hmm. You point to those numbers, year one, boom. Set the bar low, which is just brick by brick, he's doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been saying this all week. And I, I think I actually, yeah, I predicted this in the preseason as well. I don't think Florida shows up ready to go for an afternoon game that figures to be probably somewhere in the 40s, weather-wise, probably. I saw how much Florida wanted to be there when the weather was like that in Columbia a couple weeks ago, and uh, it, was, it was ugly. It was really ugly. I'll, I'll say it again one more time for the people in the back. I don't think Florida wants 60 minutes of Tyler Beatty. I don't care who starts a quarterback from Mizzou. Does not matter. Tyler Beatty is getting 30-plus touches, and Eli Drinkowitz is going to have this how do you like me now game that we talked about? He's due. It's happening. I think Mizzou wins. I think Mizzou clinches bowl eligibility. And Florida is suddenly in need of a win against Florida State just to reach the postseason. Sickos committee would Oh, dude, that's Hall of Fame sickos. <laughs> Listen, we're all Boston College fans. This weekend, yes. FSU plays Boston College for their fifth win. Anybody and everybody needs Boston College to win so that Florida and FSU can have like this all-time Sickos committee like rivalry game that's just going to be down to the wire. We are blessed. This game is also a Sickos committee game probably too because it's a pair of five-win teams. Yeah. Bowl eligibility for the winner. It's as simple as that, right? All you got to do, just win, win a game against an, uh, a team that has, well, both teams have pretty significant flaws, but... Yeah, I'm gonna take Mizzou. I'm gonna take Eli Drinkwitz to have to have that that big time victory for him. At least for the overall perspective of of what what matters. If you're the head coach at Mizzou, it's beating a program that's supposed to have more talent than you. It's getting to the postseason. Mizzou still with the possibility of an eight win season is a weird thought. Yep, I don't think that happens because I don't think they beat Arkansas, but a weird thought nonetheless. All right, let's do lock of the week. <sighs> I got trucked last week, man. 
It was bad. I am back to 500 because Oklahoma puked on its own shoes. Dead to me. Get out of here. And the committee, so two people. Exactly. Dead to all of us, Oklahoma is. Let's bet on Joe Moorhead. Sure. <laughs> when all else fails. No one knows about lie. getting like one game above 500 like Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead is my get right, even though uh, last time, you know, one point short, whatever. Mm-hmm. Joe is the subject of many a Power 5 opening right now. Washington, Washington State, Virginia Tech. My man, he's available coast to coast, mm-hmm. right? That Power 5 opportunity is coming for Joe. You know what? Oregon is getting three points at Utah. Now, this is different now that I know that I can text Moorhead and ask him to cover a spread for me. That, that changes things, all right? Having that in the back pocket, this is different than it was a few weeks ago. So we're going we're gonna to pull some strings. We're going to see what we can do to make this happen. I saw the ESPN FPI gave Oregon a 3% chance to make the playoff. 3%. What are we doing, man? All right. Again, I don't get ESPN FPI. People at ESPN don't get ESPN FPI. Nobody gets it. It's like total QBR. Or, uh, what's the basketball one? They, they, they just sit there and make up stats ESPN to confuse people and use them on air. Whatever you got to do. Everyone is already crowning Utah. And they're also saying that Oregon's a fraud when quietly... Ducks have won three consecutive games by double figures. Mm -hmm. Cameron Rising, the Utah quarterback, Joey Galloway, this would be a more important time to talk about him, I guess. Uh, He's having an incredible year, but Utah had a two-point lead with two minutes left against Arizona last week. Like, one in nine Arizona. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking about that at all. It's kind of blowing me away. I think there's too much ammo for Oregon. I don't know that they get to the playoff. I'm not saying that they beat Utah twice, but give me those three points. Gladly. We'll take that all day. Let's go to my interview with Jason Brown, South Carolina quarterback. We talked about going from the FCS level to the SEC, what that Florida win was like, getting blown up, getting all those texts after that game and how crazy that was. Talked about a lot more stuff with him. Really interesting guy. So here is South Carolina quarterback, Jason Brown. I'm not excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is South Carolina quarterback Jason Brown. Jason, first question is an obvious one. Do people know you more as Jason or Bobby Boucher? Um, as of lately, Bobby Boucher. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I, I was driving around Columbia the other day, and I was just I was just riding around with my top down, and I get a yell, "Hey, water boy!" And, I mean, it's it's crazy. So I would say it's definitely a mixture of both. <laughs> That's incredible. So for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Jason does the single best imitation that you will ever hear of Adam Sandler's character in The Waterboy and, of course, Bobby Boucher's dad. I'm not going to ask you to do the imitation, but I was doing some math here. That that movie came out a few months before you were born. So which came first, the imitation or you learning how to throw a football? I would say definitely me uh, learning how to throw football. I'd definitely say that. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I saw that movie till I was about. I think I saw it for the first time like my senior year of high school. So. Oh my gosh! Definitely so all that started after that. Yeah, all that started after that. Then I would just kind of do the impression because uh, <laughs> I had this one friend at St. Francis. My name, my man, uh, Cortez Jackson. He would always he would always call me Roberto. 
from that movie. <laughs> I kind of just, I kind of just started, uh, kind of just started doing his impression, and then I kind of got good at it. I would say, and then it kind of just became a hit. <laughs> Are you doing it once a week still? Like, is it at the point where you're like, all right, enough, enough's enough. Let's let's move on from this, or is it like? Are you still kind of enjoying, you know, being being able to kind of have that? Uh, I haven't really done that. I haven't done that impression in a while, actually. I haven't done that since actually that video, um, which was shot during camp. I mean, I'll do it here and there, just like small parts of it, just because somebody like I'll see somebody out in public and be like, "Hey, can you do the impression for me?" I'll just do like a little little sample of it, but that's about it. <laughs> That was a walk-off. It's a walk-off video. And I know, obviously, you must be a big Adam Sandler fan because you've also been known to do the Shooter Mm -hmm. McGavin after a touchdown pass. So, tough question here. Waterboy, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, uh, Big Daddy. What is the best Adam Sandler movie? And don't you dare say Little Nicky. I would say, you said my favorite uh, Adam Sandler movie? Yeah, let's go go with your favorite. Um, Oof. I would definitely have to say Waterboy or Big Daddy. Big Daddy's a really good one, too. I feel like yeah, not enough people yeah, talk about that. That one's good, too. What was that? Yeah, I read... I feel like not enough people talk about Big Daddy. Like, it's 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 because it's after that era a little bit, but as somebody who grew up, like, that's those are my favorite movies, you know, childhood and watching them at an age that I probably shouldn't have been. But I feel like Big Daddy doesn't get enough love, and those other three are kind of, like, in their own category, so to speak. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. I don't think uh, I don't think a lot of people have seen Big Daddy, honestly. We well, we need to change that. Hopefully, this podcast will yeah, motivate some people absolutely. to get on Netflix. <laughs> well, so I read uh, I read the Andy Staples piece in the Athletic, and you admitted that you put on a couple pounds during the pandemic. But in my opinion, those don't really count. Those are pandemic pounds. Those are those are fake, not real. You you loved video games and nature documentaries on uh, on Netflix. Okay. What animal fascinated you the most? Mm. Octopus. I love octopus. Those those things are crazy. Uh, you get to you get to hear David Attenborough talk about them, and I mean, it's just, I could watch those things for days. <laughs> just how they move around and can blend into their camouflage and all that type of stuff. It's it's just crazy to me. Do do you have animals? Like, do you, are you, are you one of those people that's like this? The second you graduate, you're gonna like basically have like an aquarium in your house, or have you gotten anywhere near that status yet? No, I'll probably when I graduate, I'll probably just have a dog or something. <laughs> I would have anything too crazy. I kind of want a monkey too. Monkeys are cool. Jason, I, I don't know how to say this, but I don't know if you've seen monkeys and the way that they've been talked about in college football lately, but man, it's it's not good. Just make sure if you get that monkey, it does not bite. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have to I have to figure out how to take care of a monkey before before I get a monkey, that's for sure. I know how to take care of a dog, but uh, I, I have a feeling that a monkey's a little different. Your story has been, uh, it's been pretty well documented in the past few weeks here. You go from FCS quarterback who gets a season canceled because of COVID and you and your childhood buddy, EJ Jenkins, you guys hit the portal, South Carolina comes calling. I'm not asking you to throw shade at St. Francis, but take me through what it was like walking into the, those South Carolina facilities for the first time. Um, I mean, it was unreal. Uh, I mean, just just seeing the weight room and just the locker room and everything is just, it's a completely different level of football. Um, 
and that's not throwing shade on them. Uh, St. Francis State. I mean, it's a smaller. It's one of the smaller FCS schools. I mean, we had about eighteen hundred students there. So, I mean, of course, you're not going to have the same facilities, same funding that you know South Carolina and the SEC has, just with the donors and just being in the conference itself. So, uh, I mean, it was definitely night and day. And uh, I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, you can. There's a movie theater in here. We, we got ping pong tables. Our weight room is. 20 times the size of St. Francis. It's got two levels. We got an indoor facility. We didn't have one of those in St. Francis. Um, I mean, it's just it's just crazy to know to be where I was and then just to get here now, just seeing everything that everything that I've worked for is here now. Just, I mean, it's an amazing feeling. I'm fascinated by the, the concept of the transfer portal. And I, I've asked some guys about this and we've had guys on the show who have talked about how it's kind of an uncertain time. Like, you just don't know what the interest is going to be on the other end. And you can sit yep. there and feel like you're making the right decision for your future. But what was that like? Like, how long were you in the portal? And then when you first maybe get that text from a South Carolina staffer, what, what's that, that whole experience like? Um, it's scary, honestly, because kind of, it kind of brought me back to my high school recruiting because my high school recruiting was really, really slow. Um, I didn't really get that much interest out of high school either. So when I entered the portal, I was like, all right, is this going to be like high school all over again? And uh, it was kind of scary just because, you know, you enter the portal, you're taking a leap to try to go somewhere bigger to play, and you're not guaranteed to go somewhere and play. Like there's people that have been in the portal for two years that haven't found a home. So it's kind of like you enter the portal and you just get those thoughts. I mean, you're just waiting to see if something happens. So, I mean, there's always the fallback plan of just going back to St. Francis, and that was definitely a thought of mine once it got to a certain point, if I didn't have any interest just to go back there. But um, I was in the portal for about uh, three weeks, I would say. Um, I heard from South Carolina within the first week that I was in there. And then once I'd heard from them, uh, I mean, they offered me and EJ together, and we knew that we wanted to play together still. EJ actually had about eight offers, I think, coming out of the portal to other schools. I don't remember what schools they were, but – I mean, South Carolina was the only school to offer us both. So I mean, we want. We, I mean, we wanted to play together again. So why not go play at the biggest in the biggest conference in college football? You know. So I mean, we kind of just took that leap of faith together, and I mean, here we are. Y'all were kind of like a package deal, like like twins. You know, there are, there are some twins who yeah. say uh, yeah. we want to go to the same exact school. We want to be recruited in the same sort of way. Did, was that awkward for you at all, knowing that EJ was getting the other offers, and you're kind of like, well, you know, there's. If we want to be a package deal, that that's going to kind of change what what you're able to do. Like, did you have to have like tough conversations, or did it all just kind of unfold quickly and and all that stuff happened in the first week? Um, it wasn't really it wasn't really a challenging conversation, really, or a tough conversation at all. Just because I mean, I want to see him succeed just as bad as he wants to see me succeed. So, I mean, we definitely talked about like if one of us were to get a bigger offer to go somewhere, that was a better opportunity than somebody else got. And I mean, of course, you're going to have to take that because that's better for your future. And uh, I mean, we were, I mean, I'm thankful and blessed enough that we had the, we got the opportunity to come and play together again here. And uh, Coach Beamer, Coach Sack, Coach Kimmery, all those guys that reached out back in January, I mean, they stuck with us. I mean, once they offered us, I mean, we heard from Coach Kimmery every single day just to let us know that we're guys that can help impact the program and, uh, at some point. And um, we were guys that they really wanted, and we just felt like the family atmosphere here was, and we just felt like it was going in the right direction. And I mean, we, I'm just happy that we were able to both 
continue this journey together at the next level. Take me back to, to when Coach Beamer told you that you were getting your first career start against Florida. How does the process ramp up when, when you first kind of get that, hey kid, it's your time? Because I imagine you've got family, you've got friends that are texting you for tickets, you've got the spotlight, you've got kind of like this spotlight on you. What was that that process like learning out learning that you were gonna be starting leading up to Florida? Um, honestly, going into it, it wasn't that bad. Because, um, like you said, with my family asking for tickets, um, I didn't start the first, what was it, nine games or whatever it was. And, I mean, my family was still at every single game, so that wasn't really a distraction for me. They made it to – I mean, they flew out to Texas A&M when we played Texas A&M, and they were in a stand. So I'm grateful for them. And uh, that wasn't that wasn't really a distraction from that part. But uh, just – Taking on everything else, I mean, I didn't really feel pressure on me because I was a third-team guy. So, you know, I mean, there's going to be people out in the world that are not going to have faith in me, and I know that just because I'm a third-team guy. So, I mean, nobody was expecting anything. I mean, it's all about us in this building. That's what we talk about all the time. So I know the people in this building had faith in me and confidence in me. And, uh, I mean, they continue to have faith and confidence in me. So I just want to go out there and perform as best as I can for the people in this building and my family and help this team win football games as best I can. I love that. And that, that shows right there the difference between an athlete at the SEC level compared to the average person like myself, who if I'm told that all of a sudden I'm thinking about the big picture and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is my opportunity. This is what I've been waiting for. I've, I've never had more eyes on me than I do right now in this moment. Instead, you're just kind of like, ah, screw it. You know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to sling it. I'm going to have some fun, low expectations of me. And it's all good. And it showed in your play because what I think surprised yeah. Gamecock fans who, you know, Let's be real. South Carolina fans, they have dealt with a lot when it comes to quarterback play in recent memory. Yeah. I think they were surprised with how poised you were. You seemed to be at your best when you had to escape a rusher. The throw you made when you spun out of pressure and then found Josh Van deep downfield on the money. And then again, you escape pressure and then you find him more wide open than any human being should ever be. You made it look so easy. Did you expect for it to play out the way that it did? Um. Yeah, honestly, just because how I, just with how I prepared. I mean, uh, Coach Beamer's talked about it before, and um, just because I was a starter that week, it didn't change how I prepared the previous nine weeks because I always prepared, and I was always up there watching extra film late at night. There would be some nights I didn't leave till 10 o'clock at night just in here watching film, just preparing for that opportunity and preparing as I was the starter. That way, if I got that opportunity, I would be ready for it, and I wouldn't just – I wouldn't feel helpless out there if I got out there didn't and not knowing what I was supposed to do. So um, I think that's what really helped me is just, I mean, I came in every day and just worked and prepared like I was a starter and just waited for that opportunity to come. And when it did, uh, I just tried to take advantage of it best I could. And I think the Florida game was good. And then, I mean, I definitely left some things out there. I didn't have the greatest second half in that game, honestly, but uh, just, just coming in and preparing and working every day, I think, is what really helped me. Could you see it in the faces of Florida players? Like We talk about that sometimes, of, of when you know you have a team and when you know it's going to be your day. Could you see anything in them that made you realize, I'm going to have a lot of success? Um, No, not really. Uh, I mean, they're a good football team. and uh, I mean, they got after me a couple times. But uh, I didn't really see it in them. I saw it more on our teammates' face. And the joy that we had, like we had Eric Douglas 
we got them to jump off sides. We got Eric Douglas starting to dance and single first down like he had never done that before. So just, just to see the joy that they had and the confidence that they were playing with really gave me another level of confidence as well just to go out there and play for them. How many texts did you have waiting for you after the game? Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was a lot of texts from my family, my group message from my family that was there at the game and with the family that was watching on TV. So it was a lot of that. And then just some of my close friends from back home. And then social media, I had to mute all of that just because I was getting so much on that and my phone was blown up from that. So I just muted all of that stuff just to keep that from being a distraction for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, I'll still check it, but just not – or just having the notifications not pop up every 30 seconds with DMs or things like that. I think that really helps just to keep that as the with the least of my worries with what I have to do right now. What was the maybe the coolest one? Like, did you have Spurrier hit you up or something like that, or like some experience afterwards that just kind of made that moment be like, wow, I really, I just did something and I did something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, there was definitely some DMs that stood out. Like I, uh, um, JC Horn DM me. Uh, called me a little Pat Mahomes, so that was that was <laughs> nice to hear. Uh, uh, Izzy was tweeting. He played corner here last year. Y'all know him. He tweeted about how the game, how good we looked. Uh, Perry Orth. I mean, he he reached out to me as well, and a couple other guys reached out as well. Just former players, just seeing, just seeing their excitement with that game and how proud they were to be an alum was really uh really heartwarming for those of us who haven't experienced both is there a significant difference between fcs speed and sec speed oh absolutely um absolutely <laughs> i mean this is this is the college nfl pretty much i mean these dudes fly around at a crazy speed and everybody at this level is good like you'll get some people at the fcs level that that can play and then you'll get some that can't really play but they're there you know what i'm saying but, I mean, everybody at this level can play and play very well. So, you definitely got to be on top of your stuff and really know what you're doing. Like, I got to know where I'm going with the football, reads, all that type of stuff. So, I have to play extremely fast because these guys are playing extremely fast as well. I was wondering if you were going to say that you experienced SEC speed on that scoop and score in the Mizzou game. I wasn't. If I were to bring that up, I would ask you what it would be like inside your mindset when, when, when something like that happens there's there's something different about seeing that in practice compared to actually seeing it in, in a game where play action you've got the screen set up and you've essentially just got a split second before you see the rusher barreling down on you and you couldn't quite release it what, what's the sideline conversation with the coaching staff like after that happens um i didn't really have conversation with them i mean i did but it was just more of me apologizing to them because I actually called that play wrong, which which is the reason that pressure was in my face. Like I called the uh, I called the formation wrong on that screenplay. So that's why that guy came free off the right side and hit me. So um, it was just me going to them and just telling them that's my fault. And uh, I was going to try to get us back in the game as best I could just to move on from that play. But, I mean, it's football mistakes happen. And uh, that was just something that I called wrong. And that one ended up hurting us at the end. So I definitely feel – Part of that loss is on me for that play. So that's definitely stuck with me for a little bit. But, I mean, I've tried my best to move on from that because now we got to prepare for Auburn. 
You, so you're saying when you say you call the play wrong, just just so we're we're understanding here, like that, that's talking about, hey, this tackle should have been able to pick up the edge rusher. You know, maybe you should have yeah. had a running back back there for for a chip block or something like that. Yeah. So actually, my tight end was on my right side on that play, and that uh, motion came from the left. It was actually supposed to be flipped. My tight end was supposed to be on my left, and my receiver was supposed to be on my right. And then we were supposed to get that act, that play action, and then I mean, it all would have worked out perfectly fine if I would have just caught it right. Because number three, <clears throat> number three has a tight end and man, so he would have been on the left side and our line sliding that way, so he would have been picked up in the block. But I had him on, I had the tight end on the right side, so that allowed three to come free off the edge once he saw the tight end go for the slice, you know. So that was just something that I called wrong, and it ended up hurting us. <clears throat> Big one this weekend, and then obviously Clemson awaits. I, I know you're new to the area. Have you been prepped on how much you should hate Clemson? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've uh, I've heard a lot about the rivalry. I didn't really know coming into this, like coming here, that the rivalry was so so intense. But that rivalry is very intense, and uh, I've definitely been told that I can't like anything Clemson. So I mean, that's that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Did they make you like throw away anything orange or purple or anything like that? No, they didn't make you do any of that. I actually don't own anything orange or purple, so I think I was pretty good coming in here. <laughs> That's how you knew you were destined to go to South Carolina. If you don't have any yeah. any of those colors in your wardrobe, yeah, you're you're yeah, good. I, I want to get you out of here. Uh, I got five rapid fire questions. Just first thing that comes to mind. Does that work for you? Sounds good. Per first one: faking injuries. Funny. Just part of the game or ridiculous? It depends. Depends Ooh. on the situation. Uh, I would say, uh, like I think, I think what defense is doing, I think it's pretty smart if you're getting, if you're getting, uh, if you're getting no huddle and tempo is really fast, your defense is tired. And I mean, if you fake one, I mean, I think nobody's gonna know if you're faking it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's an emphasis this year. Actually, if if you are caught faking it, it is you will get penalized for it. Uh, but I mean, I think it really depends on the situation, honestly. Do guys fake injuries better at the SEC level compared to the FCS level? Because you get the up close <laughs> shot of it. You can see when a guy's faking it. Oh yeah, these guys are uh, these guys are great actors, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift's new release of Red. Are are you into it or no? I haven't listened to it. All right. Well, you got some homework. Instead of watching those nature documentaries, you need to listen to some T Swift. Oh, man. I can't stop watching the nature documentaries. That's part of me. <laughs> they actually just, they actually uh, just released a new one I have to watch. Oh it's gosh, you're like that dialed in to where where when oh, it yeah. comes up, you're you're just ready to go. It's got it. It's all queued up. I got the notification on my, on Netflix on my phone. They just dropped a new one. It's called Animal, so I got to go watch that. That's the most open-ended thing I've ever heard. It's just called Animals. <laughs> Yeah, it's called Animal. <laughs> All right. Yeah, look forward to the very specific <laughs> breakdown on, on that one. Um, Shane Beamer does not seem like he sleeps, and we've had him on the podcast before. Can you confirm or deny that he sleeps? Oh, no, he sleeps. He definitely sleeps. <laughs> okay. All right. He's, uh, when I, see it. He, I, I, know, I know he sleeps because he always comes here with a lot of energy. If he didn't sleep here, there's no way he could come here with all the energy that he does every single day. Okay, that's that's – Perfectly fair. Uh, you went to college in Pennsylvania. I can only assume that means you are a big Wawa guy, right? Uh, no, actually, up in Pennsylvania, it was Sheets. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. I messed that up. Okay. So yeah, that's where, where Wawa's just more Virginia, East Coast. Though. Where I live in Virginia, though, big Wawa guy. Okay. Because when I explain Wawa to people, they, they look at me and my wife looks at me in the same sort of way. Like, it's a gas station. You you need to chill. But it's an experience, right? Like, there's there's something yeah. about places like Wawa and I haven't been to Bucky's. Oh, yeah, you got to exactly. try the sandwiches. Like, you got to go get some food. Like, the food is phenomenal. There and sheets. I don't know which one I like better, honestly. Okay, so that, thank you. I'm, I'm going to be able to, to use that as ammo later on when oh, yeah. I have to explain Wawa to someone um, who oh, yeah. doesn't get it. All right, last one for you. To, to, uh, to quote my guy Marler, is there a hotter place on earth than Columbia, South Carolina? Not that I've experienced. Just because I'm more, I'm, I mean, I've lived up north. I live I, like I live in Virginia, and then I went to college in Pennsylvania for four years. So, where I went to school in PA, we were actually it's in Loretto, Pennsylvania, and we're on top of a mountain. So it would literally start snowing in October. I think when I was there, it oh. snowed in October, and the last snowfall we saw for the year was uh, the end of April. So, I would definitely say Columbia in the summer is the hottest that I've ever experienced in my life. So yeah, it's it's something oh, out here. Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say I'd say uh, you you definitely upgraded. So uh, that was a, a wise oh, yeah. choice to to head south. Uh, Jason, oh, yeah. really really appreciate the time, man. Best of luck this weekend and beyond with everything you got going on. Yes, sir. Thank you. What's my destiny, Mom? You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates, Forrest. You never know what you're gonna get. It's been a minute since we had some figuring it out. But we got a good one today, adult rec leagues. Will, before I ask you a question about that, um, just a little little update, a little housekeeping. Mel Tucker reportedly closing in on a 10-year, $95 million deal to stay at Michigan State. How about that? Good for him, man. Good for Mel. I'm going to say Scott Woodward is responsible for like, I don't know, $20 million of that. At yeah, least. giving Mel Tucker a ten-year deal is a choice because, like, I you know think he's a great guy. Don't see him staying anywhere for ten years. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be a, a tough job to 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 get. I mean, you're, you would have to come over the top if he's if you're locking him in for ten years, ninety-five million dollars. That's essentially saying you're you're daring someone to do essentially like what we talked about with Jimbo at A and M. Are you really going to come over the top to be able to get Mel Tucker? But he has impressed the brass there and has done so in a short period of time. So it looks like one of LSU's candidates is off the board. Mm -hmm. Lincoln Riley, just, I don't know, let's up it to, what, $14 million a year? Like 15, give it to him. Who cares? Like I said, I'm very, I'm, I'm very pro boosters giving their money to things. I just we joked about that one time. It's like, what are boosters going to do with their money, really? Let, let them. Let That's them, a good yeah, point. Let them just spend the money on stuff I care about. Who cares? It's a good point. As much as, and I'm guilty of this too. We get so worked up about these contracts with coaches and, and whatnot. It's not like this is coming out of tuition, right? All right? Yeah. Like, this, this isn't taking this away is, a library. This is a whole other thing. And you could say, oh, you know, you want people to spend their money in different ways. They don't. It's not happening. <laughs> they That's don't. Not <laughs> it's like, I want lots of things. Yep. Sorry. But just wanted to update you on that. Get a live reaction uh, on this pod by the time I'm sure people are listening to this. Maybe that will be finalized. But it does look like one candidate for LSU is off the board. All right. Enough serious stuff. Figuring out adult rec leagues. Will, have you been involved in any adult rec sports leagues recently? Or are you involved in some right now? So I'm going to tell you this real quick. So 
our neighborhood, everybody is like really, really good at life. And like my whole thing is like, I'm trying to not let everyone know how bad at life I am. Uh, mm. So like our rec league, like they're like, they have like this undefeated like baseball team, like, like community baseball team. One of my neighbors played baseball for the University of South Carolina. Like, <laughs> like That's not fair. it's not fair. So I'm like, I don't want to be on that guy's team because I'm going to look like an idiot. And so I'm pretty much locked into not doing any rec leagues as long as I live here because everyone's just too good at life. And I don't want to be average at life and look bad by comparison. I'll just be honest. I played softball with this guy who played baseball at Auburn. And he played, he, he got through the minor leagues too. He got up to AAA. And it, def, he definitely wasn't one of those guys who was like telling people about that. I think his wife or something like that was at the game. It's a co-ed league. Yeah. And and, she, and like it, word got around. I, I didn't like find out through him, but like multiple people on our team who I like played with, they told me about it. And when you see somebody of that ability, you're always reminded, oh, we lived very different lives. Right. Being being on, there are very few opportunities in which you get to be on the same athletic field, court, whatever as someone who actually played high level division one sports and then played at the professional level as well to a certain extent. Good reminder that we are indeed mortal. So totally understand what you're talking about. That, that there's, there are very few more humbling experiences than that one. Well, let's do, actually, you know what, before we get to that, before we get to that, I need, I need a few caveats here. Can be any sport here. We're not going to limit this to like just softball or something like that because I know there's a lot. People in the Facebook group brought that up as well. Softball, flag football, basketball, bowling, although bowling isn't a sport. And I say that as someone who loves bowling. Yeah, you're very good at bowling from what what you've told me. Thank you. And I'm going to make myself try and look good here as well by telling you this. Lauren and I were in a bowling league for two years here and... Uh, this past Friday, we actually bowled for the first time since before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We could have bowled months ago; probably would have been fine. But now with the house, you know, we're in season, whatnot. Yeah, just haven't necessarily prioritized it. Like, just kind of been one of those things pushed on the back burner. We bowled two games. The first one never counts. Whatever, yeah. that's practice game. Second game we bowled, and keep in mind, our first time out there in 20 months. Lauren bowled a 164. I bowled a 194. Had a couple turkeys, no big deal. Okay. Anything that you can pick up again that quickly, 20 months, it's not a sport. It's a game. It's a game. It's a skill game. It is. I don't know about that because, like, I'm sure if you, like, you know, threw 95 at Barry Bonds, he'd still probably be able to hit a dinger. Like, I, I think that's just something sport. that... Okay, that, that's what I'm saying, though. I, I think that if you're good at, like, that's muscle memory. I feel like that makes it a sport, if anything. It's not really competing against a whole lot. Like I, like I said, I love bowling. I'm not going to hate on anybody that, that does think it's a sport, but, you know, just my opinion. I, I really like being in a bowling league, and I admittedly, I got a little into it. Hell hath no fury like an open frame with your boy. <laughs> but some people, pretty intense about the rules and whatnot, and, man, people hate it when they think you've undersold your average because in bowling, it's not just straight-up scoring. Right. And if that were the case, we would have been our team would have been screwed, but you get a handicap and it's basically like how far above your average did you go? Mm-hmm. And that's how much you help your team in terms of the head to head. The people at our alley, they actually call us several times several times a year now that we're not in the league. And they're like, hey, you coming back? Uh, you coming back soon? We got leagues going this, this day, this day, this day. We're like, nah, we're good for now because it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it, we already have the shoes, the ball, the bag, like the whole works. That, that's all a sunk cost at this point, but it's still 16 bucks a person every time you go. Hmm. So like you do some math, four, you know, go four times in a month and quickly you're looking at, you know, 120 plus dollars and that's, you know, God forbid you want to get a beer or something like that. Oh yeah, throwing food, it's over with. Yeah, so it, it's just an expensive thing. And like, you know, the season, the bowling season, it lasts the duration of the school year and they do not like breaks. <laughs> like, yo, I got, I got to watch games. I can't be out here. It's like, no, dude, you're, you're plummeting down our leaderboard because you missed a day. If you miss a day, oh, it's, it's over. One year they were doing the preseason meeting and they're like, what about Wednesday, December 26th? And I'm thinking to myself, surely they won't have league play the day after Christmas. But you better believe they did. That's how seriously they take it. Just a, a little bit too intense for me. Like, you know, we, we, were, we were in two different leagues. The second one was a little bit less intense, but still the commitment is just so heavy. I'd love to do maybe an every other week, maybe a once a month thing I'd love to be able to do because I love bowling. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. And it's something that Laura and I can do together. But yeah, just, all right, let's, let's take it back. See, Have you considered ball. being a bowling shark? Like just go to random bowling alleys and like bowl a really bad game and then be like really publicly struggle and then be like, hey, you know, I got, I, you guys want to bowl? Let's put a little bit of money on it. Maybe that's what you should do. You could do that a couple, you know. Like a pool shark, but with <laughs> but bowling. bowling. If that's what my life has come to, I'm, I don't know. I've done something wrong. That's fair. I don't know. I'm just I don't hate creative it. solutions here. I don't hate it. Who doesn't need a little bit of extra money on the side, you know? Get creative with it. But yeah, haven't, haven't quite gone down that road yet. Softball, I always loved, but I stopped playing when the pandemic started and just haven't really find the, found the time to, to seek it out again. Kind of had an experience too at the end that just made me say, you know what? Might mean too much. Did you charge the mound, Cotter? No, this is actually worse. Oh, no. Not, not me personally. And I, I've told stories in the past about, you know, I'm not afraid to jaw with somebody in softball. like. You know, somebody that, that in my opinion is just being a loser and, you know, I want to let them know and I want to put them in their place. Yeah. I'm not afraid to do that. So this is a co-ed league that I played in. And there are, in this league, there are a bunch of just hardos who had uniforms with sponsors and they played in tournaments who for some reason though, these teams wanted to also play in this co-ed league. I don't know why, but one time our first baseman who was also two months pregnant, remember co-ed league, mm-hmm. She got called the C word by someone on their team. Needless to say, she was not a fan of that. Our manager, who, guy probably in his early 60s, not a fan of that either. Can't say I blame him. Right. Punches were thrown, none really connected. But it was. Punches were thrown! I kid you not. I kid you not. I wish I was making this up. It was one of those cringe what are we doing moments on both sides? Just, how, this, this shouldn't ever get to this. If we've gotten to this point, we, both, we all need to take a step back and just reprioritize this whole thing. So the funny thing with that- well, Hold on, what was your involvement ahead. in this brawl? Were you out there swinging on people? Like? No, so I wasn't quite Nick's heat needing, um, uh, what's, uh, what's his name? Ben Gundy? Uh, oh, what? Yeah, I, I wasn't needing like the Van Gundy hold me back type thing, grabbing onto my leg or something like that. 
but in the background, so to speak, just saying like, get out of here. Like, what are, what are we doing? This is, this is so dumb. Wasn't in the middle of the fisticuffs or anything like that. Didn't necessarily take an errant punch. Didn't get to that point for me. But the funny thing about the way that played out, Lauren decided to, to jog to the game. And Lauren, um, you know, she, she ran about like two miles because it was, it was like two miles from where we used to live. And she was reluctant to go to any of these games because she said beforehand, I just don't like how mean people are. And before that that game, literally that game, I said, you know, no, it's just a little competitive spirit. It's just talking. That's just the way that softball works. It's just kind of different in that regard. And then she comes and she sees that. <laughs> and, and so that was I the end said, of your softball career. You had to hang up the crease after that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how many games we had after that. Not many, though. I, I basically said, yep, all right, I get it now. But I do enjoy adult rec sports. Good to have that competitive outlet. I played flag football back in Nebraska. Really, really enjoyed it. It does make you realize, as much as anything else, just how old you are <laughs> and how far removed you are from your athletic prime. And I, I'm someone, like I exercise, I try and eat relatively well, but I would still be so unbelievably sore after those flag football games, even at 24. Mm -hmm. There's just such few experiences that kind of can simulate that atmosphere. But Will, Besides your questions about me getting into fights and me having an active role in that, do you, do you find yourself being more involved in these things moving forward? Or have you kind of said, ah, you know what, that phase of my life, it's pretty much in the past. I wouldn't hate it. It would just have to be with a, with a good like, group of people. Not that I'm with a bad group of people right now. It's just like, I, it would need to be... I'm, uh, I'm trying to think how to say this. Well, you talked about competitiveness. I'm a really competitive person. If I were to do something like this, I would need for it to be as laid back. Like it would need to be like beer softball type of situation yeah. where we're all just like chilling because I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm <laughs> I'm that person who always finds myself in bad situations anyway, as we've talked about in the pod. So like I'm trying to be as low key and employed as possible, really, going forward. Matthew Sadro has a very similar point. By the way, if you have not joined the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group, Matthew says, I think they're a super great idea and fun activity if everyone on your team is sharing the same vibe. Right. I personally would rather the semi-competitive group of guys that tries to win each time than the stereotypical beer league guys that are just out there to get away from their wives and family for a bit. If there's a mismatch, I feel like each group ends up being aggravated with the other for trying too hard or not hard enough. That's a great point. There is a, a dynamic of of softball especially, I noticed that with, if you're up by 20, feelings are gonna get hurt in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And you don't really feel good about it. And it, they're, they're, when you're in the midst of a rally, it's it's kind of fun. And then as the game progresses, you're like, all right, let's, let's get this over with. It's more fun to be kind of in that like two, three run game or something like that. And usually people get really upset if you start taking extra bases or something or, you know, whatever you're doing. But it just seems like tensions get higher in those spots. And that's, I'm not saying that's when punches are always thrown. <laughs> With punches you've seen them thrown. Apparently, yeah. Emery, Emery says, since we live in a city now, I'm trying to talk to uh, his wife, Kelsey into doing one with some with us with some of our friends in savannah i'd rather play softball but everyone says kickball i've heard great things about kickball uh-huh that would that be would, perfect that's kind of right at that level of athleticism 
where it's just enough, you could probably also get yourself hurt. In fact, come to think of it, we played a kickball game before our wedding with our bridal party. Hmm. The, the day before, and it was actually really fun. It was a great time. Um, one of my groomsmen may or may not have like severely hurt his leg that day. Oh no. Yeah, that's pretty ugly. Uh, stepped in like, I think he stepped in a pothole in the outfield or something oh, like that. Did this take place rough. in Louisiana? <laughs> they can't have uneven turf going on. Bloomington, Indiana, apparently uh, not enough uh, even turf there, but kickball's fun. Kickball's a great game. And why do you have to stop playing kickball once you get out of middle school? Right? Yeah. Kickball is a great thick thick boy sport because you got a lot of momentum going forward on your legs. It's, it's mm. a great time. I would love to go play some kickball. If anybody has a kickball game in Orlando, hit me up. I will be there. Carter Logan says, I was signed up to be on a volleyball team in a new league, but COVID ruined that and it never got started or mentioned again. I'm super competitive and was really looking forward to having that outlet. Glad I found golf to partially fill that void. Golf does. It does, it absolutely does. But kind of the team sports, for whatever reason, there's just like a different sort of vibe. You know, I'll, I'll go every few months, I'll play golf with a group of guys and it, it's fun, don't get, don't get it twisted. Like it's, it's a really good time, but there's just something a little bit different about having that regular thing that you get to look forward to during the week. Like my, my brother's in a volleyball league right now, um, he and his wife, they're, they they really like it. I mean, he didn't play volleyball growing up or anything like that, but there's just something about the the competitive nature to it and, and knowing that it's there to look forward to every single week just kind of pushes you in a different sort of way. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the other thing to do with adult rec leagues. Do a sport that you didn't play growing up mm -hmm. and then maybe you don't take it as seriously. Yep, that's actually a really good point because the worst thing you could be is the guy that like used to play something and everyone's mm. counting on you to be like a ringer. It's like, uh, I don't want to be that guy every day. I'm not mellow in the Knicks, just dropping 30 every day, come on. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're a D1 basketball player and you're going to play in some like adult men's league, eh, come on. Right. You, expand your horizons a little bit maybe. That's just unfair. Nobody has any fun playing with you, um, especially if you're dropping 40 every single game. <laughs> Drew Page, Drew says, in college, I joined an intramural basketball team with my friends. That season, I had my shoulder come out of place and then go back in at the same time. Oh no. Ugh. Also got ejected that same game, eventful game for, for Drew. We started a rivalry with the soccer coaches team and they grew to hate us so much, they tried to fight us. We ended up being the first team to beat them in two years and then we lost in the championship game. A lot going on there, Drew. Drew is like Many the most questions. polite person ever. Like, so both you and Drew, who I would describe as like the most polite people in the world, have been involved in rec league brawls. And y'all want me to do more of this? Knowing me, <laughs> knowing me, who can find brawls in regular situations. Oh no, I'm good. Y'all y'all have fun. I wanna know, did the shoulder injury, did that happen in the heat of competition? Did it happen with a potential fight? Maybe go to lean in for a punch or something like that, the shoulder pops out, just maybe not used to, to you know, throwing hands. I don't know. But yeah, that probably, probably means too much if you're getting to that point with another team. And if you have a legit rivalry, like I remember we played like adult baseball back when I was in college. That's, that's like kind of like borderline rec league. Mm -hmm. But we had a team that was like legit our rival. And looking back on it now, pretty stupid. For what? Who cares, man? Who cares? But in the heat of competition, you can, t you can tell yourself anything. Right. 
Yeah, also, play- power move by Drew to injure himself and then get thrown out the same game because that's, like, the best way to check out from injury. It's like, yo, my shoulder really hurts, but I'm going to get myself thrown out of this game so I don't have to take anyone else. It's like, hey, I'm a warrior, dog. I'm going home. That's like when a guy gets ejected from an NBA game and he's in street clothes. Yeah, that's my <laughs> exactly. It's like, what you going to do? Yeah. It's like, guys, guys in a full suit and you got upset that he just yelled one thing at you? Like, chill. Take it easy, man. Derek Walden says, I've played in a softball league a few times, tore a hamstring in a charity softball tournament, tore the other one in my first game back. <laughs> this sounds terrible. <laughs> Derek, man. The problem with beer league softball is people take it too seriously. There was a huge problem during the championship game in 2020, so we didn't even get a team together for this year. Been bowling in a league for well over 10 years now. You'd really think I'd be better at it by now. Okay, a couple a couple thoughts on that. That's God's way of telling you you're not meant to play this sport. I'm sorry, Derek. I, ho- I hope the best for you. I want the hamstrings to stay attached to your body. Right. I do. I, I, I want that for you. I think that's what's best for you. That that's, that's your sign that maybe, you know what, this isn't necessarily the sport for you. Like, Lauren pulled a quad playing softball. Injury like she's never had before in her entire life. She's running to first base. She's, she's a swimmer. She wakes up three times a week and swims at five in the morning, right? Like she does things that I'll never be able to do. Mm-hmm. But running to first base, if you haven't simulated that sort of movement before, it's kind of a sign of like, okay, I need to either really stretch out before I do something like this, or maybe that's just a sign of, ah, you know what, this, this thing isn't quite for me. Tearing both of your hamstrings, that's, that's the sign. That, I always think of Ken Griffey Jr. when I think of a torn hamstring. I remember him rounding third and just coming up limping and everybody knew it immediately and you just see him collapse to the ground. That looks like hell. Have you ever torn a hamstring? Have I ever torn a hamstring? Not a hamstring. No, pretty much everything else down there. Yeah. Yikes. Groin? Uh, no, that's the other two. Pretty much anything in my knees or ankles has been torn up, but not hamstrings. Good. I, I hope you avoid that. If you're in a bowling league for 10 years and you haven't got any better, I always wonder what that's what that's like because and I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a jerk here, but there there are people in our bowling league who I know they've been doing it for like ten years. They've been doing it for a long time. They've been coming once a week and they just do like kind of the same thing every time. And they're just content with that. And my personality that would frustrate me to no end. Bro, do you watch like just, bowling strategy videos? Like, how do you get better at bowling? I used to be I used to be a straight bowler. Then I then I learned how to curve. And that made a big difference. Now I'm more comfortable with the curve than I am a straight ball if I have like a pin left or something. Mm-hmm. But it's just reps. I, I would just, we, we had a deal with the bowling alley that was you know right by us where for the summer you would just pay 50 bucks and you could bowl three games a day oh, wow. for every day that isn't like Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then it's it got a cut off on Friday nights or something. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of this. <laughs> and then you just get reps and you just go and you kind of figure it out and you figure out what works. If something, you know, in the middle of a game, in the middle of, you know, a specific game or something like that, if you're not willing to make adjustments, if you're not willing to move your starting position and you keep doing the same thing over and over again, that's insanity. That's the definition of it. Derek, I hope you get better at bowling. I don't want this to sound too negative or anything like that. Just make adjustments, man. You'll be fine. You'll figure it out. 
Yeah, man. I going, going back to the to the running the first thing. It's like that's one of those things like you said about football that like you really can't recreate. I remember that with fighting is like you could you could literally spar for hours and hours and hours, but you get in a ring for like thirty seconds with someone trying to kill you, and your brain like does different things. And that's how going to first base is because you gotta go full speed and then rapidly decelerate. Yep. And there's no way to really like simulate having to beat a ball and then like slow down. You know what I'm saying? So yes. Like, yeah, that's Great that's point. tough. Yeah. That's that's got to be the most common injury in softball. I'd, I'd venture to say there, that injury happens more often than any of those other injuries combined, probably. Uh, Sarthik Sharma, our guy, says ultimate frisbee. We got banned after the year we won. I made a girl cry. It was a fun time. What is y'all doing in these rec sports? <laughs> Every one of these stories is awesome. I can't picture any scenario other than him just heckling her. We're banging chains. Yeah. I oh, no. It's Ultimate Frisbee. Never mind. It's not frothing. Those are different. Oh. Okay. Ultimate's different. That's more like, um, I don't even know. Do they call it goals? Call it points? I don't know. Maybe sorry if I can help us out there. But like, you score, I guess. I'm from Louisiana. It is fun to play. We don't, we don't do that. That's not for us. I know. <laughs> I did that back in, like, high school gym or something like that. It's actually a pretty fun sport. Yeah. But people like to hate on stuff with Frisbees. But I just picture him just celebrating way too excessively and that making her cry. Otherwise, how else do you do that? I don't know. That's the thing. You just never know what her triggers for some people. And like sometimes you just do something. Oh, I'm sorry. I got too into it there. That was my bad. Let's end with this one. Speaking of getting too into it, this is, I hope, you know what? I take that back. I hope this is fake. I really do. I don't think it is, but I hope it is. James Spivey says, played professional, he put that in quotes, professional flag football for quite a few years. It's definitely taken a little too seriously at times. Got stitches on two separate, two separate occasions due to flag football. Okay, that's not the bad part. The horror story, we had a guy shoot one of our teammates because he burnt him really bad after an interception. Funnily enough, what? Uh, the games were mostly played at high school football fields, so he discharged a firearm on school property. Pretty sure he is still in prison. Um, James had an update, in case you were wondering. The guy that got shot ended up being okay. Lives were not lost as a result of this flag football game. Lives were put in danger as a result of this flag football game. It might mean too much. Have you seen the meme from that movie with the like the basketball game where it says it says like shootout on the jersey and the guy like pulls out the gun? Like I thought that was like not something that happened. Like that's one of those like if that happens to you there's literally nothing you could have done to prevent that because that's such an absurd situation like there's like you know you talked about like starting a fight or whatever earlier it's like you can be kind of mean to someone and think your worst case scenario is getting in a fight and be yes. okay with those odds like you know we're okay i've identified the risks i've decided to still kind of be whatever about this when someone reaches for a gun and shoots you it's like no matter what you said to that person that person's the jerk not to defend the person with the gun oh, God dang it God. <laughs> not to defend that person 
But, but, I'm curious now what was said to motivate said gun pulling. Had to be just, you think the Tai Lu thing is, with, with AI is disrespectful. This had, I hope this was at least, on, no, I don't. I, I don't hope it was on a different level. There's no reason to ever do that. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. I would like more context to know how deep that cut, that one said, you know, I have a solution to make sure this guy never does this ever again. And it's pulling out a gun. Yeah, I'm just gonna call an audible here. Can you like set up, can you just call him for like five minutes and put that on the pod and figure out like, I have so many, cause he said it's like professional flag football. So number one, I have questions about that. And then number two, like, I guess if you're taking it so serious, there's just a dude sitting there with like a workout bag with like a nine in there. Like I'm, that had to be such a terrifying scene. Cause like nobody there, I mean, maybe they knew that. That's the thing also. Some people snap, but like a lot of the time, you know the guy who's packing or the guy that could be liable to do that kind of thing. So I wonder, like, were people shocked or was it like, oh, there's crazy Steve. He did, he did it again. Didn't just pull out the gun, discharged. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine the terror of watching that actually happen during a and he put in air quotes again professional flag football game. One of my boys like played lacrosse and he has a joke about like they had a guy from, on the lacrosse team who was like from like rural Nebraska and he like brought a gun with him everywhere. And like, it was like, hey, like just in case, you know, you just never know. And like, it could be one of those guys who just always has a gun and guns aren't a big deal to him. Or it could be a guy who just snaps. Like I said, there are two kinds of people who shoot people. Buddy, I lived in rural Nebraska. That's not an every person thing. <laughs> She's not. Connor, zero gunshot victims during his time in Nebraska. Power Literally stat. played flag football in rural Nebraska. And trust me when I say, never had a gun pulled on me, so we're good. Is this like a scary situation that we're like laughing at? I'm in awe. Like, I'm literally shocked. Like, I'm, I'm not, it's not funny, but it's like, I, I saw the first comment and I didn't see the second comment. <laughs> the second comment was the real money. Like, that was the lead. Uh... James, we need more context. Yep. Give more context in the Facebook group, Saturday Down South Podcast Facebook group. If that doesn't motivate everyone to join the Saturday Down South Podcast Facebook group, I don't know what else would, but we need more on that story, James. Hopefully um, that didn't scar you for life and hopefully we didn't just make too many jokes about it. But whatever the case, we are going to have an interview that I'm really, really excited about coming up. Former SEC quarterback. It's going to be, it's either gonna, we haven't decided if, officially yet probably going to be dropping in the recap pod if crazy stuff goes down we'll save it for rivalry week next week but be on the lookout for that it's going to be great if you have not already subscribed to all of our great content you totally should college football uncensored saturday lives forever do that wherever you get your podcast leave us a five-star review subscribe to this podcast if you are not already join the facebook group hear your name read on air with figuring it out or bold and brash thanks guys talk soon